a little bit different, isn't it? 2020 has really changed things. Who would have ever thought that we would have a church building roped off where you could only sit in certain pews? Who would have ever thought that you would come into a church building wearing masks? Some of you look like you're ready to hold up a bank rather than worship. But who would have thought that? Who would have thought that we would be a little bit more cautious as to what's going on in our lives? 2020 has changed a lot of our lives. Many people didn't go on vacations. That's one of the reasons we're here today is because John and Jennifer, they went on vacation. They did their vacation a little bit different from what I have. They go to the beach to stay out of the sun. I go to the beach to get into the sun. But that's okay. We're all different, but we're the same. 2020 has really changed things. I think this year it's really been hard to differentiate between good and evil, between the good guys and the bad guys. This year, because of what's going on in our culture, many times because of social media, it's really hard to tell the difference between good cops, bad cops, good leaders, bad leaders, between good government, bad government, good teachers, bad teachers. You can go on and on with all the ways that we can see things that are happening in our, in our society, in our culture. And it's really, really difficult to teach our children right now what's right. You have real news. You have fake news. You've got real fake news. It's there. A few years ago, I heard the story about Mike Huckabee. Many of us know him, but he was running for governor of Arkansas. You may not know that Mike Huckabee is an ordained Baptist minister. But they were having one of those rallies, or what we might call today peaceful protest. But they were having a rally for him to win the, the governorship. And during that rally, a lady, lady came up to him, and she pointed her finger in his face, and she said, I'm not going to vote for you because I don't believe Christians ought to be involved in politics. Well, that kind of took Mr. Huckabee back a little bit. And then she wasn't finished. She asked him the question. She says, now you tell me, you're not one of those narrow-minded people who think that just Baptists are going to heaven, are you? Well, the story goes that Huckabee grinned and stepped a little bit more toward her, and he said, no, ma'am, I'm more narrow-minded than that. I think there are a lot of Baptists that aren't going to get there. May have a point. It's really hard to differentiate. It's hard for us to know how to be different but the same. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, and you've all been doing a series on Sunday mornings from the book of 1 Corinthians, but in 1 Corinthians 4, John asks us to share the first seven verses. So if you'll read with me, I'm going out of the New International Version. You may have another translation. But follow on the screen, or if you've got a pew Bible or on your phone app, listen to what Paul writes. So then, men ought to regard us 
as servants of Christ and as those entrusted with the secret things of God. Now it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. Underline that word, faithful. I care very little if I'm judged by you or by any human court. Indeed, I don't even judge myself. My conscience is clear. But that doesn't make me innocent. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait till the Lord comes. He'll bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of men's hearts. At that time, each will receive his praise from God. Now, brothers, I've applied these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit so that you may learn from us the meaning of the saying, don't go beyond what's written. Then you'll not take pride in one man over against another. For who makes you different from anyone else? What do you have that you didn't receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as though you did not? You know, when you look at the book of 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul is writing to a very troubled church. Now, even though they were the same as believers in Jesus, they were a whole lot different when it came to their spiritual maturity and growth and service. Many of them were found trying to be in the world, but not in Christ. Catch that? Because if you go later on in 1 Corinthians, Paul has to direct an issue that's happened in the church that needs to be disciplined and corrected because there were people in the church who were acting like the world instead of being as Christ. And Paul writes this in letter and tells them, look, quit trying to be like everybody else because you're going to find yourselves in trouble. You need to find yourself different but the same. Now, how do you measure that? How do you look at your life in comparison to others? How do you measure up? Well, Paul says we measure success through our faithfulness. Every day, as God's servants, as His people, we're called upon to do what we're supposed to do, what God has called us to do. The Apostle Paul in this passage refers to him and Apollos. And he considers both of them as being ministers. They were called to be preachers of the gospel. Many of us are called, all of us are called into ministry. I know it sounds cliche, but every Christian is called to be a minister. Now that's not saying the way we've done it in our culture, where we have paid ministers, like John and Adam and others that find that they've been called December 21st, 1971. I stood before a congregation of people in this building, and I had men set me apart to the preaching ministry. That became my vocation, became my, my life. But I'm not the only minister. You see, if you're a Christian, you may work inside the church facility as secretary, Sunday school teacher, 
nursery worker who's probably the most underpaid, non-paid minister in the church. You're a nursery worker. Bless your heart. You, you're just special. You've got people that work on missions committees, benevolence. We found that ministry being used this past week with, with our own family. And it, it just it's a part of your ministry. Whoever you are and wherever you are, you're called to minister. Not just in the church, in your everyday life. I have a good doctor friend of mine. He's up in his 70s and still practices medicine. But you're talking about a minister. When his patients come to visit and see him for an examination, he takes them back in the room, but while he's there, he ministers. Not just physically, but 99.999% of the time, he's going to ask that patient about their personal relationship with Jesus Christ. He's flat out going to ask them, do you think you're saved? Do you think you're going to go to heaven? What if you were to die today? Where do you think you're going to spend eternity? Now, some folks are caught off guard. Some folks have a good answer. But those that are caught off guard who go, I don't know, he has a captured audience for the next few minutes. He just simply shares the gospel with them. He talks about how that he came from the world of sin and he came to Christ. He talks about how you need to find your experience with Jesus to be real. He talks about being born again of water and of the Spirit. You know, I'm sure there's some people that are sitting there going, get me out of here. But he does that as an opportunity. I have a, a public school teacher. I know it's not, quote, politically correct, but he finds every opportunity that he can find to talk to his students about their walk with Christ, about their respect for God and for each other. He talks to them about the relationship that they're having with Christ or not. Does it get him in trouble? May do it. But he's not afraid of that. I was telling him at first service, where I do my banking, right now you pretty much go through the drive-thru, right? Well, one of the ladies that has gotten to know me every day, she'll say, when I go in there, I don't go every day, but when I go there to do my banking, she'll go, what kind of day are you having, Mr. Martin? And I go, oh, oh pretty good. She goes, well, you know, this is a day the Lord has made. You ought to be rejoicing and be glad in it. And then I look in the rearview mirror to make sure I'm smiling and I'm not in a foul mood. But you know what she's doing? She's ministering. Wherever we go and whatever we do, we're supposed to be fulfilling faithfully our calling as God's ministers. Now there's a hindrance to that. And I think COVID in 2020 has built upon that and that being fear. If anything that I've seen in the last 10 months of my life, and it simply has come, I think, more through social media than anything else, we have become people of fear. We're afraid. And there's a difference between being fearful of God, which is a deep reverence and respect for God, standing in awe of His power and His presence. That's a fear that we should have. That's a positive fear. But then there's that other fear, where we're afraid, so we wear our mask. Or when we go into the store, and they say, follow these lines, and we see somebody else coming up the wrong way, we get afraid. Or we're afraid of somebody saying something or doing something that's going to be 
uh, hurtful to us. And we live under that fear. You remember the, the time that Jesus, I think it's in Matthew 14, sends his disciples out on the lake. So they get on this boat, and they're going out. Jesus meets them, but he's standing on the water. They're in the boat. The Bible says that when they saw him, and they weren't sure who it was, the disciples were afraid. That was a worldly fear. They were scared. What were they seeing? And Jesus says, don't be afraid. It's I. Then Peter, catch this, Peter, being wanting to be a faithful disciple, says, Lord, let me come to you. And he jumps out of the boat. And Peter starts walking toward Jesus. But he loses his focus. Fear takes over. The Bible says he begins to sink. We've got to overcome that earthly fear in order to be faithful to our, our calling. I love the story about the farmer and his wife who found themselves getting up in years, and they decided that they needed to, to hire someone to work the farm with them. And so they put a thing in the paper, wanted farmhand, gave the kind of the qualifications and what they would do and pay him his wages and all that. Well, they had a young man come to the door, college-age kid, knocked on the door and said, I, I, I've come for the job. They took him in, set him down at the kitchen table, started asking questions. And everything they asked, he gave great answers for. And then the farmer, having asked enough, said, okay, I've got one more question. Why do you think I should hire you? And this kid looked at him and he said, well, sir, I think it's very easy. I can sleep when the wind blows. So the farmer said, okay, you're hired. Young man moved in with them. They gave him a bedroom, gave him the, the great cook. For several weeks, things were going good. Well, one night, a violent storm hit that area to where the farmer's wife were awakened. They got up and they started checking the house. So all the windows were latched, secure. The doors were locked, secure. There was plenty of, of logs by the, the fireplace. They opened the door to this young man's bedroom. He was laying there fast asleep. Well, kind of curious as to what was going on because of the storm, they went outside. They went to the barn. The barn doors were locked up. They opened the barn doors, went in. All the animals were in their stalls. Plenty of hay and straw around them. They were all sound asleep and very calm. They went outside and they checked around. Everything looked good. Went back in, and as they were sitting at the kitchen table, it dawned on the farmer about his hired hand. That young man had faithfully worked daily in making preparation for the storm. And because he had been prepared, when the storm of life hit, he could sleep when the wind blows. You think of the storms that we've gone through in 2020. How many times have we slept soundly? Because we have not been afraid. Because we know that if God is for us, who can be against us? Faithfulness 
But our faithfulness can only be successful when we keep our focus. If you want to be successful, if you want to be different but the same, you've got to focus on who you're trying to please. You see, you can't focus all the time on how other people evaluate you. For years in my ministry, I practiced that, and I was wrong. I thought by pleasing people, I could become bigger and better. And I found out that's not the thing to do. It's not people that you're to please. It's God. Now, that's not to say that I don't want to be liked, because we all do. I think that's part of our human nature. We all want people to like us. But Paul said it really didn't matter to him how you evaluated him. It didn't really matter to him how you judged him. And I've come to that point. It just doesn't matter what you think of me. What matters is what God thinks of me. I'm not going to please you all the time. Probably won't please you some of the time. May not please you any of the time. But the person that I need to please is God. When it comes to Christian living, when it comes to the terms of a successful ministry, we've got to be like Paul. Our opinion of our ministry doesn't matter. We have to be very careful, though, how we evaluate that, because sometimes that can be faulty. We can become filled with pride. And Paul says, don't do that. Look at your life, how you're living it. You look at the second half of verse 4, and Paul says what counts is what God sees when he looks at us. Now, one of the things that 2020 has challenged us with is this idea of focusing. I have two daughters that are public school teachers. One of them teaches high school Spanish. The other teaches kindergarten. And COVID has changed teaching styles. Some of you are public school teachers, or maybe you're private school teachers, or you're homeschool teachers. You realize that. For my high school teacher, whose school is doing the hybrid, half the students come twice a week and the other half come together twice, it's been a challenge, but the focus is still getting them to concentrate on their Spanish, to do their lessons then. The real challenger is my kindergarten teacher. You see, they're not doing hybrid or in-person. They're doing virtual online. I never thought in my lifetime that would ever happen. The only challenge I can remember is when you had first through 12th grade all in one school. That was probably a challenge more than ever. But, but my kindergarten teacher has got everybody on the computers. I, can you imagine 29 to 30 kindergarten, five-year-olds getting on the computers? They can do it better than we can as adults. But they're on the computer. They now have what they call Zoom. And she says the big challenge is making sure that those kids focus. Focus on what she's teaching. Now, you know who the biggest challenge is? Not the kindergartner. It's the parent of the kindergartner. 
Matter of fact, she had to tell one kindergartner to tell his mother to go to the other room because the mother wasn't allowing the kindergarten to focus on his lesson. It's been a challenge. I think for all of us, to be able to focus on what we're doing has really been difficult. If we want to be found different but the same, we've got to keep our focus on who we are and what we're called to be. Paul writes in verse 5, if we do, then we will be found praiseworthy of God. I hope you understand this morning that God's the only person you need to please. I want to, if you don't mind me doing this, I think I did it a couple of times when I preached on Sunday mornings a year, a year ago, or two years ago, however long it's been. But Lord willing, this coming Friday, my dad will be 97 years of age. Now, technically, he's already 97 as of September the 16th, but we won't get into that story. We as a family celebrate October the 16th as his birthday. The last few weeks, we've had the privilege and the opportunity to help minister to my dad. We've been coming over in the mornings. My other brothers have been helping sometimes in the mornings, afternoons, nights. My sister and her husband, her husband who are absolutely over the top when it comes to ministry to my dad. Those of you that have had to care for someone, you understand where they're coming from. It's 24-7 with them. But we've had the opportunity to help. And to be able to go and do what we're doing, it's just been a challenge, but it's been enjoyable at times. It's difficult. I don't like seeing my dad in the physical condition he's in right now. But at the same time, I want to brag about him. You see, we wake him up, he eats his breakfast, and then we read chapters out of the Bible. That's the routine every morning. Now, I really think my sister and my brother-in-law and my brother set me up because when I started coming over in the mornings, uh, they were reading the Old Testament in the mornings, the New Testament at night. I'm stuck with First Chronicles. You go get King James. Read First Chronicles, King James. They break it up in syllables, but a lot of those names, I make them up as I go. Well, I try to do the best I can. But we'll read a couple of chapters and then he'll settle back down, and he'll take his nap. I was going home the other day, in verse 7, really, really hit me. What do I have to boast of? Man, if I were to boast about my daddy, his love for God is over the top. His love for, for Jesus, it's, it's over, over the top. His love for the Bible, his love for the church, his love for the lost. He has such a passion for sharing the gospel. I, I asked him the other day, I said, Dad, I'm going to talk about being faithful and focusing on our faithfulness. What do you think about that? Is it his answer? You need to tell him. If you're not faithful to the very end, you're in trouble. I'm going, that's amazing that 
even at his age, he looks at faithfulness as being the key to eternity. My dad was more than a special dad. But my dad is nothing in comparison to what he wants to hear one day. He wants to be able to hear God, his heavenly father, say, you've done good. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your reward. Now, growing up, people always told me, you're just going to be a chip off the old block, aren't you? You're going to be just like your dad. And I grew up, in a way, saying, nah, I don't want to be like my dad. And there were times I think I even went against that compliment. Now I'm glad I have come to around a 180, because I want to hear people say, man, you're just like your daddy. I want to be able to have them say, man, your dad and you, you're so much alike. That's fine. What I really want to hear is what my earthly dad is going to hear from his heavenly dad, and I want to hear from my heavenly father the same thing. Well done. Enter into the joy of your reward. I want to be different than my dad, but I want to be the same. And in being different, will I be still found faithful unto death? Will I stay focused on who God has called me to be? Do I want to look and act and sound like everybody else? Or do I want to look and act and sound like Jesus? The Hebrew writer says that we are to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. So here's the challenge this morning as we close. If today were to be your last day on earth, would you be able to hear God in his judgment say to you, you've been faithful. You've been a little different at times, but you've been faithful. Will he say that you have surrendered your all to him? We're going to sing that as a decision hymn. And it's a hymn that sometimes we sing that we don't really mean because we like to go back where he's really telling us to step forward and surrender all to him. If you're here and you're not a Christian, we're going to ask you to be challenged in your heart to give up the world and focus on Jesus as your Savior, to be born again of water and of the Spirit. If you're here and you're already a believer and you want to make this your church home, we would love to have you unite with this group of believers to be faithful in fulfilling your calling. If you're visiting and you're a believer, Will you unite with us that we are going to be faithful even to the end? We're going to stand and sing. I surrender all. Will you stand and sing with us?